The following program will make you want to grow things and experience new and wonderful dreams about your plants, garden, and garden design. Listener participation is always strongly advised. And welcome to Down the Garden Path with your hosts, Joanne Shaw and Matthew Dressing, right here on Reality Radio 101. To get on board right now, send us an email. Our email address is instudio101 at gmail.com. And now, ladies and gentlemen, right to your hosts of Down the Garden Path, Joanne Shaw and Matthew Dressing. Welcome, everyone, to Down the Garden Path podcast, where we discuss down-to-earth tips and advice for your plants and landscapes. And we endeavor to create a positive impact for on, on our environment. I'm Joanne Shaw, owner of Down to Earth Landscape Design. And I'm Matthew Dressing, owner of Natural Affinity Garden Design. As landscape designers and gardeners, we think it's important and possible to have great gardens that are sustainable and low maintenance. And we want to help you make it happen. So good evening, everyone. And thank you for joining us this evening on Down the Garden Path. Tonight, we are talking all about growing indoors and with grow lights, and we're excited to be joined by gardening girl, Julia DeMacos. And so before Julia joins us, let me tell you a little bit about her. She started growing food after having children and fell in love with it. She gardens organically and tries to keep it simple while growing new and uncommon vegetables each year. Her garden is located in Mono, Ontario, on 25 acres on the Niagara Escarpment. Two years ago, Julia expanded her vegetable garden from 2,000 to 7,000 square feet. I've seen pictures. Continuing in the formal kitchen garden style. Julia has been growing vegetables and writing about gardening for over 10 years and has been twice published in the Ontario Organic Grower magazine. She loves to inspire others to have their own vegetable gardens by showing them the simpler side of gardening. She enjoys teaching others, speaking and holding workshops. And you can find her on her blog at juliademacos.com, at her Facebook page, Julia Demacos uh, gardening girl and on youtube you can search for gardening girl with two g's right and of course instagram at julia demacos welcome to the show julia thank you that was a Happy lot of reading be- but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
a great bio nonetheless. <laughs> um, so why don't you just start telling us what really got you started into gardening? Um, what inspired you to take this amazing journey that's developed over all these years and into this 25 acres that you have? So, you know, I uh, didn't grow up gardening. I didn't have any background with that. And I'm an only child and my parents uh, just worked and grew up in a city. And so I never had any exposure to it. Then I lived downtown with my husband and I had a different career. I was a headhunter and I worked for a firm in Toronto and then I started my own. And when we decided to have children, he said, let's move to the country. We're not going to raise them downtown like we were directly on King Street. So we moved up to the country and to a subdivision home in a small town. And we had a really tiny yard, but I hadn't been interested in gardening. I had my first child and my second. And my kids are 18 months apart. And then we had the nanny when my son was born. and. Uh, she invited us to her country property one day and they lived on 300 acres. So I had never seen 300 acres because I come from Toronto and I was just amazed, right? There was llamas, there was a huge pond, there was these amazing vegetable gardens, very simple style, just in the ground, but, you know, just so beautiful. And I had dinner at their home that night and the mom, she picked the vegetables straight out of the garden. And it was the most amazing dinner. I had never tasted vegetables straight out of the garden. Like they came from the grocery store before that for me. So one day she asked me if she, if I would want her to help me start my first garden. And I had no idea. I'd never planted anything. So I jumped at it. I thought like, okay, if you help me, I'll do this. So she brought the llama poo and we dug out this uh, small little side yard garden in this tiny property that we had. And um, I started planting. So I planted, uh, and the reason why I started planting was because my son is a really picky eater. And back then all he ate was noodles and he still only eats noodles, but he didn't eat vegetables. And I had done research at the time. I learned about GMOs. And I was really concerned that the food that I was feeding my children was GMO food and genetically modified, right? So um, I was really upset about that because I had no experience with growing food and I, I felt really helpless. So when she said, would you like me to help you grow this garden or start your first garden? I was excited because I thought now I can maybe try to grow my own and maybe I could feed something to my son who maybe he will eat some vegetables out of the garden if I'm lucky. So that first year we put it in the ground and, uh, you know, we put five or six tomato plants, three zucchini plants. The garden, uh, mind you, was 16 feet by four feet, right? So three zucchini plants, six <laughs> tomato plants, carrots and lettuce and, you know, whatever I could squish into it. And then I just let it grow. And then as things started to grow, a bunny came and, you know, it, it ate up all the, the greens. Yeah, <laughs> of course it did. So that was really upsetting. Mm. <laughs> it's really upsetting for me. So, you know, I chicken wired fenced it and I couldn't reach it. So, cause it was against the wall of the house. It was kind of like, okay, I could see it now. The bunny can't get in, neither can I. There's gotta be a better way. But in the meantime, that year, I had uh, harvested the best tomatoes ever. It was really exciting because I got to eat these tomatoes. And my son, who didn't get the, the vegetables quite yet out of the garden, cause he didn't, wasn't interested year. I had done research over the winter and decided I was gonna build a raised bed. And maybe that's how I'd keep the bunny out and maybe reach it at the same time. Cause I couldn't reach it with the chicken wire. So uh, <laughs> we built the garden and I planted it beautifully that year and I planted carrots. And my son, who was probably two and a half at the time or so, he pulled carrots out of the garden and ate them. And, you know, carrots are texturally for a child who doesn't eat anything but pasta, 
they're, you know, hard on the palate. So I was really excited. Plus I was like, no, 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 let me wash it. He didn't want me to wash it. So he just wiped <laughs> it and ate the carrot. Anyways, to this day, he still eats carrots. He doesn't eat much of anything else. But oh, that's carrot. great. So my motivation back then was to, um, I was excited because I could grow my own food. I knew what I was growing, feeding my kids the best and healthiest, most organic food from my own F, but the passion um, started to grow. You know, I was excited. I, I saw that it was like what I was doing and it was growing and seeds excited me. So I uh, encouraged my husband to move me to the actual country because we moved out of downtown Toronto to the country, but lived in a subdivision house. So we moved to Mono. I found a home. It took us about a year and we found this, this beautiful place. It didn't have a garden at the time. And we moved in and I thought, wow, I've got 25 acres and I can grow whatever I want in this 25. This is amazing, right? Like I could plant a carrot anywhere now, but then <laughs> I watched <laughs> and I saw a field of deer <laughs> oh, no. and eat the hostas and eat all the, oh, you know, the, the oh. vegetation and all the other critters that were here. So, yeah. and all the bunnies, right? So mm -hmm. I uh, had to do a lot of research and uh, settled on a spot far from the house. It had to be because there's too many critters that are close to the house. And plus there was no other place that was flat enough because we're on the escarpment. So everything's really kind of wavy over here. So I found a spot out kind of on a, a piece of a field that we have here. We leveled it and set it up and it became my first garden, which was 2000 square feet. Yeah, and then a couple of years ago, I decided I was running out of space and I needed to grow more. So then we expanded to 7,000. So that's where we are right now. Wow. Yes. And I have been following you, as we mentioned before the show, that on Instagram for a while. So I've seen and I'm like, who is eating all that food? <laughs> so that is great. You know, it's not your son, but that's okay. He'll come it's around. Not our son. Yeah, it's okay. He, he likes the peas. He likes the fresh peas. He likes he'll eat the beans straight off the vine. He won't eat them from the store. He doesn't eat anything from the store, uh, but he will take it from the garden. Yeah, that's okay. I think it's cool that they see how it's grown and how it grows and, and watching it. So, you know, I think that's also part of it, you know, mm -hmm. definitely. Yeah, they know it doesn't come from the grocery store, that it's actually, you can grow it yourself. It's, that's right. So it is very that's satisfying. Right. Yeah, so that is very satisfying. Um, that's good. And you're still, um, you're still growing all in raised beds? So I grow in raised beds because we live on the escarpment and the escarpment is different wherever you are, but where I am specifically, it's all uh, limestone. So it, and it kind of just pushes, it erupts out of the ground here. So no matter, you can't dig it out. So, you know, even if you think you got it all, you come back mm -hmm. in a week and there's more stones. So the stones just keep popping out of the ground. So we do have 35 perennial gardens here and they are full of rocks and stones. So it's great for planting perennials and annual flowers, but you really can't grow vegetables in there successfully. Plus the deer, walk through right so mm -hmm. I, my garden has a, a large uh, a fence and eight foot tall deer fence all around the garden and it has the raised beds because I need to be able to control uh, the soil structure because I can't plant directly in the ground like you can't even dig a hole it's very difficult you'll you'll hit stone no matter where you try wow yeah. so, wow. wow so it sounds like you've really made the best of a really challenging situation yeah, it worked out really well. And it made it a lot easier because the raised beds, uh, first of all, you get to I can control what I plant where I can easily crop rotate. 
And also I, the soil that I put into the beds, I know, you know, like it's loose soil, it's, it's rich soil. I, put, I compost every year and I top the beds with mulches and, you know, and so it's very easy to plant. And if there's ever a problem, you know, I can deal with it. It's just a lot easier to manage. And it's a lot easier to work with when it's higher up. You're not bending down onto your knees to try to yeah. dig a hole. It's, it really just makes it a lot easier. Yeah. Sure. And it's also aesthetically pleasing. Yeah, it's beautiful. Do you find it um, you can get started a little earlier too? Does it warm up a little quicker? It does. Well, where we are too, because of our the soil, like the natural soil here is mostly rocks and, and it's, uh, I don't know what it is, must have sand in it and whatever kind of, I never did an analysis of it properly. But because it's all rocks, uh, it, it drains and melts really quickly. So we don't have any pools of water here on the mm. land. So it just kind of melts away as soon as we get our spring thaw, it melts down. And so the same thing with the with the raised beds, they actually melt even before the snow melts and they heat up really quickly. So I'm able to plant things in there. And I also, you know, if I need to cover, I have uh, row covers and things like that, that I can, or plastic that I could put on the beds if I really wanted to. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. Very nice. Yeah. Matt, we've got some questions. I was going to say, we've got a few questions rolling in for Julia. Uh, John has written in. Uh, he asks, for someone just starting out, what is the easiest plant or plants that you would recommend starting out with? Thanks, John. For someone starting out the first time, I would probably say cherry tomato would be the easiest plant to grow. Uh, cherry tomatoes are not as affected by blight late blight if there was to be a late blight um that year i find that they tend to hold off on the late blight they're really they produce quickly there's an abundance you know it's easy to it's they're easy pretty easy to stake and uh, i find that cherry tomatoes are probably one of the easier crops to grow first time yeah Excellent. very nice john so, so cherry tomatoes very mm -hmm. good yeah Jane has also written in, love Julia's story, very nice. Uh, can Julia recommend a type of grow light for veggie plants? Thank you. Okay, I think we were gonna talk about this. We were, yeah. We, were. Yeah. we were. We didn't plant that question, so, so there you go. No, we did not. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> so uh, I've tried all kinds. Uh, I've been growing, I started growing with my grow lights at my old house. So this is probably seventh year with grow lights or eighth. And so it's very like, I would say, you know, there's all kinds of fancy grow lights out there and you can do LED lights if you wanted to, and you know, they can get expensive, but you really can just get T5s from, you know, like the, the fluorescence. Um, and you can start with that. They, I like to get the ones that have four fluorescents in one kind of hanging fixture. I'm not sure what they're called professionally, but uh, those basically those those like I don't know how you call them. They they hang on chains. You could put four yeah. lights in. They sell them in a two or they sell them in a four. I recommend a four because you get a, a wider coverage and they're easy to adjust. They're inexpensive. I think the whole light costs 30 bucks or 40 bucks. The light bulbs are easy to replace as you need them. And I would say, start with that. Like don't spend the extra money. And honestly, if you hang them two inches above the tops of the plants, they will give you plenty of light to be able to produce healthy seedlings. They do sell grow light T5s or T6. I think they're T5s. They sell grow light ones, which have a, a wider spectrum of light. You know, they have daylight ones, they have white light, and there's also grow light. So if you can get the grow light, they cost a little bit more, but then you get a wider spectrum of light that you would satisfy all the needs of the plant. Okay. Yeah. 
Perfect. Very nice. Well, that is good. I think we're going to dive into that maybe a little bit more and ask you about your setup and how you're growing things shortly. Uh, but we've got two more sure. questions now, actually. Ken has written in, hello, new listener here from Charlottetown PEI. Uh, I can't wait until spring. Any prizes to be won? Uh, Ken, thank you for tuning in. Thanks for joining us this evening. Um, tonight, not so much. We don't have any giveaways, but we have been known to uh, do a few giveaways. I've been hoarding a few things, but uh, Joanne and I don't have anything planned for uh, Julia's show. Um, but perhaps segueing from giveaways, um, if you haven't been to Julia's website, I know, Julia, you have a lot of different resources there uh, that you, people can log on to and uh, take a look at and purchase as well. Did you want to take a minute to talk about the awesome things sure. that you've Sure. So I have um, a few years back, I developed two calculators, an outdoor planting calculator and a seed starting calculator. And the outdoor, so the reason why I did that was because as a new seed grower, you know, there's a lot of confusion as to when it's the right time to start your seedlings. And, you know, if you look online, I find a lot of places have conflicting information. One says four to six weeks, one says, you know, four weeks, another one is eight. So, and then what does that mean? And then some say um, as soon as the soil could be worked. So, you know, it depends on where you yeah. live. Your soil could be worked in January if you have a nice thaw. So it's kind of vague and hard for a new gardener to really to really understand that. So I thought, you know, I'm just going to make a calculator uh, that is um, universal to any zone based on your final frost date. So I have, a, so I have an outdoor planting calculator, which tells you when it's safe to plant it outdoors based on the plant's needs. And it's adjusted to your own final frost date. So you just click that, enter that, and then it lists all the dates that are safe for transplanting outdoors starting directly in the like direct sowing. Then I have another one after that I thought well it'd be great to have one for for the directly like the seeds when is what do I start each month what day specifically so I created a seed starting calculator and based on my own experience not just like what is written but what I found to be effective and I have everything a to z flowers herbs crops everything I, I tried to complete everything I could I mean, I wouldn't have mangoes in there, bananas, because it's not relevant to us here. <laughs> but um, the, the calculator is adjustable to any um, growing zone because you, you enter. So like in my area, June 1st is a safe final frost date. So you enter that and then it would tell you exactly when to start what. And it also covers fall planting. So if you want to have a second like succession crops as well as a fall crop, then it would tell you if it's safe to plant it, what day is the final day you can do so either from starts or from direct sowing. So anyways, I have those two. Uh, resources. People ask all the time um, what, what companies are good to order seeds from. Well, I have, I've tried so many over the years. So I have a resource that's my seed company roundup for, I have 10 Canadian and 10 US seed companies and why I like them and links to them. Uh, there's a bunch more stuff on there. So, and a seed saving workshop and that's online. It's a webinar, all kinds of stuff. <laughs> Excellent. And I think your Instagram post today, I think it was a chalkboard with this is what you can start now. Yeah. And which stressed me out because it went, I think I need to buy seeds <laughs> first because <laughs> I'm behind on that. But anyway, <laughs> but so that's very helpful. Oh, I think, is that behind you? Is that what's the board behind you? Yeah, right there. See? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Because right yes, that is, you know, and we were both in different gardening groups and stuff on social media and Facebook and stuff. And it's such a common question about what do I start when and when can I start this now? And there's so many variables, like you said, it depends where you are, right. it depends how you're growing and some some places are more conservative and like some companies and I find some resources 
you know, err on the side of, you know, like they give you, like, I let you start a little bit earlier than it says. So if, you know, if CPAC, it will say four weeks, I might say four to six, because I've, I've tried it at six weeks and I find it better to set it out a little bit bigger, you know, so I do have um, some of my dates there and some of my weeks are just a little bit more generous. So you can start things a little earlier. Like I like to start onions now in February. Some people don't start them till April, but I find that they need that a little extra time. So I, mm. you know, I give that extra time in my calculator so that you, there is flexibility, but I want to say start tomatoes now. I think that would be a little yes, too early yeah. for us. But I think that's true because I think the hardest part to me, the hardest part of growing things inside isn't the growing inside or the growing outside. It's getting them from inside into the garden. Like that, that's like a hard transition for new people like me. I'm even an experienced gardener, but for me, you know, I did onions last year and it's like, you know, is that, is it, there's just so fragile still. Right. So I think, I think that's great that you've given suggestion for people to, to plant something that's a little bit bigger. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So we know you're up on the escarpment. Um, What zone are you technically? So this would be zone 5A. Except because of where my house is located, I'm kind of at the top of the hill. My neighbor to the east of me is at the bottom. And at the bottom, it's zone 5B. So I have checked. I've done I've done a lot of cross-reference research to find out exactly where I am. And I find I'm kind of like some say 5A, some say 5B. So I would say 5AB, depending which way the current blows. So, And I do <laughs> find that because I could be home parked um, in the shade. And I get in my car and it gives me one temperature. I drive around the corner and it's already dropped by a couple degrees. So I do find that here it's slightly warmer and it's always warmer than Orangeville, which is 5A. So that's why I say, I don't know, 5AB, sometimes 5B. It depends on which way the wind blows, I would say. Yeah. I totally agree with that. I went to college in uh, Niagara on the lake and we're just there on the escarpment and you can just move from Niagara on the lake to St. Catharines or up on the escarpment and it's night and day. It's insane how it just flips. It's insane. Yes. Exactly. (laughs) Cool. Yeah. So we have a few more questions. Um, Sue has written in, can Julia touch base on raised garden beds? How hard is it to make a raised garden bed? Thank you. So it's, it could be as hard or as easy as you'd like, because there's a lot of today, when I started, these kits weren't available, but now there are kits available. Mm -hmm. So you can, you know, you can even find them on Amazon. You can find them on Lee Valley. You can find them, you know, um, I think even some garden centers, maybe in Canadian Tire. I'm not sure. Yeah, sell some of the big back box stores, yeah, are starting to sell them too. Costco probably had, would have it too sometimes. So what they have, there's some kits that are just like the corner pieces. And all you need to do is slide the wood uh, planks into it and then basically screw it all together and there's your raised bed. Then they also have um, actual plastic beds that you can, you know, like just unfold basically, boom, and you have a raised bed. Then they also sell bags, uh, basically like bag material, raised beds, they come in any shape shape or size, even round ones. Um, and then for uh, for me personally, like we, or for my first garden here, um, actually my original garden, because it was small, I bought, I made a cedar raised bed. And the cedar is really nice because it smells nice and it's also, sturdy and it doesn't break down. I mean, my sister-in-law lives in the house and the bed is still perfect from the time that I, when I, when we built it and it's probably been 10 years since that time. So it still looks great. So cedar does last the longest, but when we moved here, the garden at 2000 square feet, if I were to make cedar beds at 2000 square feet, it would cost a fortune. So we did pine boards and they were, 
I mean, I still have a quarter of the garden in the original form and those beds need replacing like immediately. They're, the beds are broken, you know, they're cracking and they're warped. So I don't recommend pine unless it's just a temporary measure. The thicker you go, the better, it lasts longer. But even those were, you know, an inch and a half, maybe two, and they were, they're, they're in bad shape. So the update, the uh, expansion is with hemlock. And, and hemlock is another good option, which is not as expensive as cedar. Uh, what we did was we got six by six boards from the um, lumber company and they split them for us. So they're three by sixes and they're double stacked. So they're 12 inches high. And so we just ordered a whole bunch of those and use the long um, nails and or screws, whatever they are. And put them together. We, we, I hired out the help. Obviously I couldn't do it myself. So, but that's how it was. And it wasn't hard. Um, you can, based on the material that you want to invest into, um, mm -hmm. you could base your budget based on that and then decide what you want to do. Yeah. Yeah. Depending on the space too. So if some people are growing in smaller spaces, I think some of those new grow bags are quite, quite interesting. Um, I know I recommend mm -hmm. a lot. Uh, there's a lot you can do in containers as well. I know you recommended cherry tomato plants. You know, I've grown three or four different cherry tomato plants around in containers, right? And, and in my backyard. So I think there there's uh, a lot of options for raised. You know what I mean? Raised is such a general term, but yes, for the garden boxes, that sounds great. Yeah. And even containers, as you said, because there's a lot of varieties of vegetables available that grow into container size. So I have a zucchini, like there's a zucchini that I grow. I love it's called Astia zucchini and Renee's garden seed sells it. And it's A-S-T-I-A, -A, Astia, and it's a container size zucchini. So the great thing about it is it doesn't have um, a vining effect, it doesn't sprawl out and, and climb away. Like it just stays in its form and produces upwards. So you could stake it if you wanted to, you could really probably put a tomato cage around it and it would just grow upwards in a columnar type of shape and you would just harvest up the stem. So it's a really nice uh, plant to grow in a small space. And I've grown three side by side in a four by two bed. No problem. They didn't crowd each other at all. They just grew in their space. So, and you get a ton and they don't stop producing. So it's one of my yeah. favorite zucchini varieties. It's just green zucchini, but yeah. So, and there's tomatoes that are, you know, in different sizes. I have a tomato right now. It's a micro tomato and it only grows to about six to eight inches, the whole size of the plant. And it makes wow. little yellow cherry tomatoes. So there's so much, you know, mm -hmm. on the market. If you do a little research, you can find so many great ideas for container growing. It doesn't even have to be a bed. Like you said, it could be big pots and that would be plenty. You could put mm -hmm. them on, you know, on your deck and just water them. Make sure you water them. Don't <laughs> let them dry out and you can yes. have no problem harvests all, all summer long. Excellent. Those are some great choices. I wrote those down too. <laughs> <laughs> so did I. <laughs> So I want to just take a quick second um, just to say, you know, thanks everybody for joining us here uh, down the garden path on Reality Radio 101. Um, Joanne and I enjoy hosting Down the Garden Path each week, bringing you interesting, relevant, and helpful topics to help you achieve a great garden. Uh, we learn right along with you from our research and from the guests that join us here on the show. So don't forget to uh, spend more time with us down the garden path and find us on your favorite podcast app. And while you're there, please subscribe to be notified of new content, like, share, and leave us a comment. For those of you, maybe you're just joining us live. Uh, we are talking with Julia Demenkos, and we are talking about all about growing inside. So we're talking Julia's journey as she grows her veggie gardens, how she's starting them inside, uh, and her wonderful 7,000 square foot and growing uh, garden in um, Mono, Ontario here. We've got a number of questions uh, rolling in for Julia, but perhaps you have a question 
question uh, for Julia, you could write us here at in, I-N studio 101 at gmail.com and uh, get in contact with Julia. And if you're okay, as I'm reading this, two, three, four emails just like rolled into the <laughs> inbox. So uh, Julia, if you're okay, we'll just jump into continuing yeah, some questions. Let's go. Awesome. Let's do this. <laughs> Bob writes in, hello, I'm interested in seed saving. I heard that your guest offers a course in that. Is this true? If so, how do I take it? Thank you, Bob. Hi, Bob. I have uh, in my shop on uh, my in my website, juliedemacus.com. If you go to shop, I have a webinar there that I've recorded professionally. It's an hour and a half long. And I go through the most common vegetables. I believe there's seven or eight most common vegetables. Uh, you know, I don't do any of the key ones. I do the most common, like I cover tomatoes, squash, lettuce, um, cucumber, etc. in there. And I walk you through it step-by-step step and show you exactly how to do it. So if you go to the shop, uh, you can find that, uh, the webinar there. And it's yours. Once you it's purchased, it's yours forever. And you can go to it whenever you want to. And you can go back to it. You can also skip ahead. It's done. So there's chapters. And if you want to get to a specific vegetable, you can jump ahead and do that as well. Excellent. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Um, our next question comes from Amon. Amon writes, fantastic show. It makes us very excited thinking of spring. Happy new growing year, everyone, from Amon. Ah, thank you. <laughs> nice. Thanks, Amon. Um, our next guest, our listener question comes from Beth. Hello, welcome back. A question for Julia. What is the seven-day free email series that she offers? Thank you. Beth from Indianapolis, Indiana. Wow, thank you very much uh, for uh, asking about that. So I have on my website, I have a free um, ebook. When you, If you sign up, you get a free 10 proven steps for a successful vegetable garden. So that comes at once. And then you can do the next one and it's on there. I'm not sure if it's on as a post or if it's uh, on the sidebar. Uh, it's seven more proven steps. And that comes in as an email every day, one a day for seven days. Oh, very nice. And it's free. Yeah. Excellent. Very cool. Excellent. Um, I'm sorry, Breda or Breda, uh, if I mispronounce your name. Um, any plants or flowers that Julia would recommend for bordering our garden to keep out pests such as rabbit or mice? Thank you. So the companion planting topic is, there's been a lot of myth busting when it comes to companion planting. And I used to believe a lot more in companion planting, but with experience, I found it's not as effective as it's claimed to be. And I've read a bunch of books on it. And I used to even mention it in my talk, which I don't anymore. So it's hard for me to say specifically, like there's been some research that marigolds planted in a tight border around your garden will keep out uh, bunnies and, and types of critters that can maybe be going to. But I haven't found that to be that effective. There's also been some research that shows that it keeps out some nematodes. Um, you know, it's been recommended to grow marigolds and beans together to keep bean nematodes out of the garden. It, I think it depends on, it's not 100% foolproof, so I can't really say. And I do personally have a vole problem right now in my garden, you know, so I think mm -hmm. that um, either I embrace him or I put out a mousetrap. I'm not sure. I just, I may embrace him for now and just, yeah. you know, 
<laughs> Sadly, you you know, you might, because they dig, you can't even really put a fence. They're such good diggers. You could, yeah. if you really wanted to put down a fence, you know, a galvanized steel quarter inch um, hole fence down a foot and then out a foot to wind it out and that may keep them from if they're going to burrow down straight into your garden then that would stop them but I think that it's it's a tough battle and unfortunately I can't really say before specifically it would be 100 perspective but you could try marigolds I know that in the um the Amish or Mennonite communities they do they plant their gardens in the ground and they do plant border of marigolds so you can try definitely try and see if it works it's I always say it's best to experiment when it comes to growing vegetables mm-hmm. then not try it all yeah I, it'll look good yeah yeah it's true um if you like right. orange right <laughs> I we've yeah. kind of talked about and I have some luck in my garden with I've heard that you know rabbits if it's fragrant or furry they don't like it so you know maybe um so in my garden which is not a vegetable garden so it's a flower garden but I do have rabbits in the yard and they seem to leave my stuff alone you know I have a lot of cat mint um, you know, nepeta, so it's right. and and Russian sage, which is a little too tall for a vegetable garden, but you know uh, that's something to try. I mean, I know what you mean. Like, it's not foolproof. If they're really hungry, rabbits and mice, you know, there's no, you know, there's no stopping them, kind of thing. I think mine you, just go to the neighbors. You could try. <laughs> you could try calendula. I find calendula is really. I love calendula, and I use it all the time in making body care products. But uh, it's very. It has a smell. I find it prettier than marigold, although I like marigolds. Uh, and the leaves have a little bit of that fuzz talking about, and that might be a good option. You could do a border of marigold, uh, calendula, which is yeah. a pot marigold and uh, lovely. So yeah, as an option. There you go. You've talked about companion plantings and um, distracting things. In your research, have you ever looked into or um, played with any uh, dynamic accumulators in your perennials or veggie gardens? And what do you think about those? I haven't done, I have heard of it. And it's the biodynamic gardening where you garden by the moon and then you get the biodynamic accumulator, like, like a bull's horn, I think. And then you stir it into, I don't know, a slurry. I'm not really sure how it works exactly. I have never tried it. Yeah. Right? It's, yeah, and then the idea like is that. like those plants drop those nutrients or focus certain nutrients in their their leaves and their tissues, and then you like biodegrade them. And then there's the moon part of them. Okay, so I'm just curious because yeah. the science kind of is out there with the whole uh, uh, dynamic accumulator thing, but it's kind of like you were saying with the companion planting, where when you kind of look at it. So I'm just just curious if you had had any experience with that. That's so funny. You said no, dy- I should, dy- I should dynamic do- accumulator, and I went to those like sand things that you plug in that keeps so I'm like I don't even know what he was talking about (laughs) (laughs) Um, try though it would be a fun experiment though to do a bed of that just to see just one bed solely of biodynamic gardening with the dynamic biodynamic accumulators and just to see like you know plant two beds one identical crop and see if I get a different result that'll be an interesting experiment Mm -hmm. something to do maybe yeah yeah, Maybe. definitely. We move into like 9,000 square feet and be Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so we've got a lot more questions still. Oh, um, my goodness. Mike That's is great. here. He's wondering, uh, what is the fee for a live garden consultation with Julia? Thank you. Oh, <laughs> I think that if Mike would like to send me an email, I think it would be better if we discuss mm-hmm. that uh, through a private email. I think we could do that in the future. 
Perfect. I thought so. And I just wanted, I thought that was a cue that maybe you could, um, if you're willing to, we can contact yeah. Mike or do you want to share any of your uh, contact or if you're. So I'll give you my email. Okay. Yeah. I'll give you my email because it's on my website. Anyway, you could find it if you were to contact me. It's just, so it's my name, Julia at juliademont.com and you can email me there. Perfect. Perfect. There we go, Mike. I hope that answers uh, your question. Um, I think you maybe have answered Denise's question, but Denise writes in, is Julia's blog free and where can she find it? Yes, it is. And it's my website, my, just my name, juliademacos.com. There you Perfect. go. And Thank definitely you. follow you on Instagram and Facebook as well. Yes, please. And YouTube. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yes. And YouTube. <laughs> Yes, for sure. I have a lot and more you, videos coming out too. Oh, good, good. And you have an amazing garden. I talk about your amazing garden, but you also have an amazing garden room. So I want to know, you're, offline we'll have to talk of a whole other coffee conversation on how you convince your husband to let you have one of those because that's beautiful. Oh, oh yeah, is beautiful. this is a... It's a fun story for sure. This was a garage. So um, he lost a garage to give me a gardening room. So. Ah, yes, yes. Well, we'll have to buy you a virtual coffee, Julia. We're going to chat about that. No problem. No problem. Uh, that's wonderful. So let's just touch back base because I know people are so keen to start growing. So there are things that they can start growing under lights already this week, right? Yes. Yeah, so if they check out my Instagram feed or my Facebook page, so Instagram is just, again, my name at Julia Demacos. Today I posted a, um, a list of all the crops and flowers that you could start now for zone five. So some main ones uh, like that I like to start now, leeks, they have a really long growing season. And they also, not only do they have a long growing season from now till transplant, but they also need to be in the ground for a long time. And they prefer to be harvested after a first frost because the frost actually sweetens them. So they need like 10 months to mm. be, you know, from nine, 10 months from start to finish. So you can start your leeks now if you're going to be growing leeks. Onions, I have, some people say later, but I say start now, you know, get them out a little bit bigger. And you, could, you don't have to do it right now like you could do it the second half of February but I like February for alliums including shallots too and then another thing is celery and celeriac like in terms of crops celery and celeriac they also especially celeriac is like leeks it has a really long growing season and it grows so slowly and it's so finicky that you need to have give it that extra time to give it some mass before you could put it out in the garden one year I was really successful and I grew enormous celeriac and then last year I didn't really grow great celeriac so it's one of those crops that it just needs a long time and it's, you know, you, you really got to make sure you water enough and baby it, but it does produce beautiful roots, right? Like that bulb is just mm -hmm. so yummy. And another thing is strawberries. I would suggest if you're going to start strawberries, now's a good time to start them. They do grow really, really slowly. By the time they germinate, they're tiny. Anything is so small, but then it, it finally takes off. And I've had years where I've had strawberries under the grow lights before I've even transplanted outside. And they are just so oh, delicious wow. in the spring, you know, and under the lights once they take off they take off but they need a long time to german always say like overseed you know plan on more than less because uh they not they have sporadic germination but so you're better off to plant extra seeds and then uh choose the best and transplant oh, okay. those into larger containers and then outside 
Excellent. Because that was going to be my next question is, you know, I think people see that seed package and see how many seeds are in there and go crazy and then are overwhelmed with what do I do? You know, and so I would say hold some some back, but you you think maybe just plant them all and then, well, then use the, the the most vibrant ones. Yeah, a packet of strawberries, depending where you get them from, may have 100 seeds, but it may have 500 seeds. You don't mm -hmm. need to plant all of them, but you want to plant extra. So I always say that you should plant extra and select the best. So if you're only looking for 15 or 20 plants, you know, plant 50 and then select the best. You're going to have a lot of weak seedlings in there and a strawberry is perennial and you want to have the strongest, you know, out there. You want it to be able to produce fruit as soon as possible. So pick your biggest, pick the ones that are most vigorous of all the seedlings. You don't need to plant them all. You can compost them or you can, you know, pot them up and give them to a friend. But if you don't have a friend to give them to, compost them. I mean, mm -hmm. these don't cost a lot, especially when they come 100 to 500 in a packet. You're better off you know, selecting the best, overplanting, selecting the best and composting what you don't need. You can't, you're not going to waste them. So, or just give them away if you have friends to do, you know, to that's give them right. to. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. a good idea. Excellent. Very nice. Um, we do have a few more questions. Um, our daredevil has written in, says, this is a very important topic because with COVID, uh, we don't know what the food supply is going to be like in weeks or months. People should get on board and grow, 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 even if in pots. Any thoughts about growing in containers? Thank you. So you're right. Uh, last year with COVID and the lockdown, there was more, there were more people growing ever before. You know, before that, you could order seeds from a seed company at any time, really worry about availability. And last year, seed companies were selling out and I couldn't believe it because it had never been before. And all these new gardeners, because they were at home, were finding gardening, which is wonderful because it's, you know, mm -hmm. it's a great escape from the world, uh, you know, that we live in. This year, it's the same thing. So, uh, you know, again, seed companies are selling out. If you go online, some won't even sell to you. Some are closed for weeks to catch up because of COVID. So I think there's nothing wrong with growing in containers. And I think that the only thing with containers is you have to be sure that you water. So when a plant is planted in a raised bed or in the ground, you know, it has roots and the roots will search down to the lowest point in the soil level and find water and water itself if it doesn't have any water like it's able to withstand drought a little bit better in a pot you know a pot is just a pot so it, it does in the summer especially when it's hot that pot will dry up really quickly mm -hmm. so on a hot day you want to be watering that pot at least once a day and oftentimes more because if it's really hot you're going to want to do that at least twice a day and water it thoroughly where the whole pot is heavy and it's wet and let don't worry about overwatering because on a hot droughty day it needs that water. So as long as you're able to maintain the consistent watering, I think you'll, you're no problem growing in containers. Absolutely. There's a, there's books written on it. Mm -hmm. So many great ideas. There's so many creative ways to grow in a container. You can grow in a shoe bag if you wanted to, and all you have would be naked, attach it to the wall and plant strawberries and herbs in a bag and just, and then have yeah. them drape out and put flowers and Whatever you have, like anything, uh, you know, you can plant in a bag of soil. If you cut it out on the one side, mm -hmm. you can have an instant garden as well. So really there's a lot of uh, options. Absolutely. Container gardening. Excellent. <laughs> uh, and just go with the bigger, the bigger the pot, the better. So that's not the time to go looking for, you know, your little uh, terracotta pots. It's definitely think right. about the material. Um, so something like terracotta will also dry out like even quicker, right? Um, exactly. 
though, think of something bigger, even if it is plastic, even if it is a grower, some of my pots are the, you know, the ones that trees were in and like those big black, not necessarily pretty ones, but it's nice and big and, and deep enough. Um, so yeah, so I think that's my kind of two cents on the, on the pot is, you know, cause even when you start and it looks like a little teeny tiny plant in a big pot, but boy, right. Cherry tomatoes, tomato plants, they grow. Absolutely. And you can do a zucchini, like I said earlier, in a, in a container. And one of those big pots are great. You know, another good, great thing in a pot is potatoes. So if you don't have anywhere to grow your potatoes or you don't even want to grow them in a bed because, you know, you have to rotate them and they take up so much space, you can grow them in one of those big, like you said, those old tree pots, you know, from the nursery or even a recycling bin and set up a bunch of those and grow your potatoes in there and, mm -hmm. uh, and have success. Really easy to work with. You dump the whole container out when you're done, put it right in the garden. Like it's just, you know, absolutely. There's so much option out there when it comes to container growing. It's, it makes uh, life easy. And even if for people that grow in the ground, you could still add so much more by adding a few mm -hmm. containers and just make it yeah. fun. You can grow, I would grow in a colander. I love growing herbs in a colander because they have drainage holes. It's just yeah. so much, you put them on a table. I mean, like you can yeah. have fun with it. Yeah, definitely. And if you're wondering where to get those pots, often lots of uh, garden centers have a, a spot in their yard for you to bring in the pots to get rid of so that they can recycle them. But there's nothing stopping you from going and picking out some good ones <laughs> for yourself when you're returning some of your small ones. So that's something to think about as well. It's my other exactly. little secret. <laughs> um, exactly. So that's great. That's great. Um, yeah. And what, what is your ultimate favorite thing? I always like to ask to grow. Garlic. Mm. Garlic is my, f I have a few, I have about five favorite okay. things to grow. So it's really hard. People ask me this question and I say like, okay, can I give a few? Because I really like my favorite I love garlic and I've been growing garlic for a long time. And actually I wrote about garlic in the Canadian organic grower, how to grow them from ball bills. Like I have a passion for garlic and I grow 500 garlic a year. Uh -huh. So, um, but it is, it, to me, it's, there's nothing like homegrown garlic, not even organic gar garlic sold at the health food store tastes as good as your own. Right. Cause I love uh -huh. the entire plant. I love the scape. I love the young garlic. If I want to pull one entire one out when it looks like a green onion and just chop that up. I love um, the bulb. I love, I mean, I just love it. So, and I love that it's the first thing that comes up in the garden um, in the spring, right? Like you plant it out in the garden when you're done. So for me, I planted at the end of October, first week of November in my zone 5A B garden. And uh, so I'm not even busy at that time. Normally I'm, you know, I'm busy during the year. So I'm done and I have all this time and I can take my time and lovingly plant my garlic bed. And then it's the first thing to come up in the spring. And so you're like, you're greeted with this happy bed of, you know, mm. green garlic coming up and you didn't even have to do anything because it's already there waiting for you. So I love it. And I love the creaminess of a fresh garlic clove. Uh, that's number one. And I love lettuce a lot. Like I just, I, I'm crazy for lettuce and I love tomatoes and I can just keep going. <laughs> That's great. Zucchini. Well, we've been wanting to do a garlic show. So we definitely, I think we're going to have to have you back to do it. Not that I'm getting rid of you, but like right now, we, I definitely love to have you back to do a garlic show because I think I that is, it is such honey. a cool, cool thing it's to so grow. Good. Yeah, absolutely. I'd be happy to. Good, good. Okay, Matt, you've got some <laughs> you questions. Well, like, I was going to say, Julia, we were going to have you on for till about right now, about 7.45. Um, we're reaching the last 15 minutes of the show. Are you okay to stay on? Yeah, I'm happy to. Show? 
Okay, because we've yeah, got six other questions and I, our listeners are are just loving you. So I know they're excited to grow, right? They Excellent. are. Excellent. So am I. I'm so excited <laughs> to grow. Okay, let's go. I love it. So Gail, <laughs> Gail simply writes in, love the show tonight. Great guests. Stay healthy. Excellent. So, thank, thank you, so Gail. Much, Gail. Uh, George writes in, hi, all love this topic tonight. Uh, please consider doing a Facebook live show as well. Does Julia sell any of her food products that she grows? I don't, I haven't yet, uh, because of where I live, um, and the, where I live specifically in, in the country, I don't get a lot of road traffic. So for me to set up even a market stand, I don't really get a lot of, there's not, it's very quiet here. So I haven't done any kind of selling. I have sold garlic in the past for, to local people, but I haven't really spent any time. <laughs> I grow so much variety that I don't really have too much of any one thing. You know, I grow a lot of different things. So even though the space is large, I don't have abundance of any one thing really that I don't know what to do with. So I haven't had to sell it. Nice. Um, Jake writes in, does Julia use any fertilizers or pesticides? Mm, great question. Great question. I grow organically, so I don't use any pesticides at all. Not even organic ones. Um, I don't even use BTK and I want to because I, you know, I don't grow things that with caterpillars, but I should grow because BTK is a natural thing that you can use. But I do, in terms of fertilizers, I use compost. So I make my own compost. I have chickens and uh, I add their manure to, and their bedding to my compost bins. And I make leaf compost. So with my, we have a lot of trees here. My neighbors have a lot of trees. So I end up getting a lot of leaves, leaves at the end of the season. And so I'm, I make leaf manure, leaf compost. So I do compost heavily, a lot in my garden. Um, and then I also uh, use uh, rotting straw. So the things I add, and then I, when I'm planting, I like to add um, a general organic all-purpose fertilizer to, if for heavy feeding plants. So for like tomatoes or any other fruiting vegetable, I put a scoop of Gaia's Green, which is a 444. I really like it. It's very easy to use. I just literally put a teaspoon or two right in the planting hole, you know, and then I water my hole and then I transplant my seedling into that hole. And uh, I find that to be enough with the compost and, you know, any mulch that I might use. That's all I do. And I don't really fertilize for the rest of the year at all. It's it's just too much garden to mm-hmm. um, dilute and water um, with a what the watering can. So I don't. I find that to be enough. And I find the soil is healthy. I, I rotate my crops so I don't uh, over, except for garlic, because I plant cover crops there before I put the garlic back in. Everything else gets rotated. And I don't find that the soil is depleted at all that way. Yeah. Excellent. And then for pesticides, um, I handpick my uh, cucumber beetles and this I bought a Dyson hand vacuum so I plan on vacuuming them this year see how that goes (laughs) (laughs) and a lot of time picking them off and switching them with my bare fingers so I'm hoping just to go out there and you know vacuum top of the line too eh you went for top of the line (laughs) oh my gosh I had had those air miles you know the the air miles uh, the blue card and so when I saw that at Christmas I thought oh I'm gonna splurge on a and vacuum to vacuum the cucumber beetles. <laughs> Good for you. That made me That's really awesome. happy. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good air mile, uh, you know, uh, right? promotion. That's how much stress you have. And I never had them to last year and I had so much stress. So 
to wait to use my points on points on that and if it works what a relief just to quickly whip them away yeah. you know I'll, I'll be relieved I don't have to worry about it again in future yeah that's great <laughs> that is great oh goodness um Joanne has written in um uh, regarding starting seeds indoors hello I've just tuned in uh should we be starting any seeds indoors right now for veggies is it too early if not what should we be starting right now Thank you. So I don't know if we did talk about that a little bit earlier, Joanne. Um, I do. Do you want to quickly just plug what you've done this week already? Sure, Joanne. If you have, if you have Instagram or, or Facebook, um, today I posted a list of seeds to start in February for Zone Five. And uh, if you go to @JulieDemacos on my Instagram, you can see it there. And if you check me out on Facebook, it's Julie Demacos Gardening Girl. You can find my page, and I have it listed there. But just briefly, the, the list is long, but in terms of just vegetables, onions, leeks, uh, celery, celeriac, and strawberries this month, for sure. And then there's more that are in that list. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Thank you for tuning in, Joanne, and joining us here. Um, and I hope you can uh, log on to the podcast later in the week so you can listen to the whole show because uh, there's lots of Julia has given us some lots of great information. Yes. <laughs> great. Uh, I think the, the next two, uh, as I, I'm just kind of getting to them and reading over them, I think they're kind of off topic and more towards um, us. But... Yes. Uh, oh, and here's another one. <laughs> the, the joys of live radio, right? Yeah. Uh, so that is good. <laughs> so, uh, so definitely. Did you want to ask me about my grow lights before or something about uh, something when I'm new, when, what I'm trying that's new? Or, I know you had some questions you wanted to ask me that we didn't have a chance to get to. Was there anything you wanted yes. to cover now? Mm-hmm was just kind of flipping back to see. Um, yeah, it, it, so I guess we talked about your grow lights and you were using the, the four T5s. Was there any research that you did to go in into choosing your grow lights uh, and like your overall setup? This is something we often um, get a question on. Out of your experience, what do you think? Are probably so our when top- I started, I didn't want to spend a lot of money and the shelf that we had originally built was made with pine. It was just a, a homemade shelf. It was made for me. I'm not handy. So unfortunately I don't have a saw or a drill of any kind. So I have nice friends that built me things. <laughs> so <laughs> I had a shelf built and at the time it was my old house. I bought the the racks that have two of those T5. So I hung up, you know, two and two. So I had four lights and I, found them fine uh but my operation expanded so then i got more shelves built so they're permanent wooden shelves and they have the four and four so i have eight across a shelf and i found that to be really effective and they do need to be replaced from time to time but they work for me because i lower them to two inches above and i'm constantly able to adjust them as they grow and i've had really good success but so in terms of research i have done research but it was long ago and i found that to be effective because back then they didn't really have led lights when i started i don't think but since uh there is is now there's LED grow lights and I don't have a lot of experience with them. So I'm experimenting. So I have another shelf. I have three grow grow shelves, another shelf, which is just each, each level in the, in the rack has a different kind of LED light. And I'm experimenting to see which I like better. So one of them is brand new and I haven't even turned it on yet, but they're, they're, they come from Amazon and they're just single uh, strips, they're LEDs and they change color. 
they're purple and blue and okay. I don't know. There's probably four on a rack and they each have an individual switch. They don't adjust, although I can adjust them. I can make them adjustable. There's right now they're just clipped on. So I don't know. I think LEDs, you don't have to move. I don't really have a lot of experience. So right now my LEDs don't move. They just kind of hang at the top. And the reason I, I thought it was a good idea was because as the plants move, I have more space. I don't need to worry about adjusting the, the chains constantly. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying and I'm finding which ones work, but I still favor my T5s. I really like them and they work for me and they're not expensive and they're easy to work. You know, they can buy them easily anytime. Yeah. Yes. So you were talking about having your lights. I don't know does ever, if everybody knows, um, you're talking about having your lights so many inches off the top of your seedlings. How far do you have? Is there a rule? Do you have them so yes. close to the empty soil? Can you talk a little bit more about that? So I try to keep them two inches above the tops of the plants. And the reason is because the further high, the higher up they are, the more the light will disperse. So the, the plants receive the most spectrum of the light when it's two inches above the tops. I mean, sometimes they touch the lights and luckily the lights aren't that hot. They don't really burn them, but then you want to move them up a bit so that they have more space to grow. But I find two inches above keeps the plants from growing lanky. Mm-hmm. Any higher and they start, you know, you see, you start seeing spindly plants, which makes them into weak plants. You don't want to grow weak plants because they don't really harden off well. They'll collapse if you put them outside. If you ever see those long spindly plants, they're just not strong enough. And you often get them when you grow them um, in the window at this time of year, because the light levels are still low. We still don't have enough daylight hours in the day. So you find your plants will lean, they become really thin. And it's okay if they're tomatoes, because you can plant tomatoes, you can repot them deeper. And so that stem will work itself out. But if it doesn't, then you have to turn the plant and still. So if they're not two inches above, they will grow. You can see them immediately start to lean towards the light, like they're looking and then they get spindly and then they become weaker. So two inches above keeps them where they should. And I keep them on for 16 hours a day and they're on a timer. So they're on for 16 hours off for eight. And uh, later on in the year, so if you're starting, if you don't have grow lights and you want to start tomatoes or cucumbers or squash or pumpkins, you can start them in your window in May or end of April. Our days are long enough that you have enough light in the window. The light is sitting, the sun is higher in the sky. You have enough light to grow them in a window, but at this time of year, you don't. So they will become lanky. So I give them 16 hours. They have enough light to, and then they have an eight hour rest period and then back on again. Mm. And And quickly, I wanted to say, I know you've been growing seeds as well, or um, sprouts. Have you been like growing them under grow lights as well? So the the sprouts grow in a jar and they don't have any soil and they look like alfalfa sprouts. Like that's if you were to see them in a a store, you know, they they don't have any leafy growth. They're just basically a stem and a root. Uh, And those don't need light. Those, they grow next to my sink in a jar in my gardening room and I just rinse them two three four times a day and put set them back on a 45 degree angle upside down to drain and I do this until they're ready some people say put them in the window uh, at the end to green them up I don't really do that I find that you run like a risky line at that point it gets can get really hot in that jar and they can start to mold quickly and steam up if you put them in a sunny window so I don't personally because I don't want to lose them and I have in the past um the microgreens I put them under lights and there is other thinking too that you don't need to because you want them to grow longer so in that case you want them lanky the longer they grow the lo- the more food you have so some people start them in a cupboard and then pull them out later to green up a bit you don't you want that lo- that length you don't want them to be short and compact so I put them under my lights but I put them under the lights that are 
LEDs and hanging really high up and I find them, they're the 40 watt, they're not very strong. And so they don't, they, they can get lanky there and they okay. can grow to the length that they need to. Excellent. Yeah. Well, your trays look beautiful. So again, told you, you I was an Thank Instagram you. stalker, you know, so I've been following you. <laughs> so I've been paying attention. Uh, well, we, this year I've been... really up my, uh, this year I've up my sprouts and microgreens game though. I'm just loving it now. It's really, you know, it, it lets you get through the winter time, mm-hmm. you know, with a smile on your face and you get to grow your own food. And I have so many salads now and they all taste different. They'll have their own crunch. I just, I just love it. Yeah. Oh, so. wonderful. Wonderful. Oh, that's <laughs> a whole other show too, is talking about microgreens. Right it now? is. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah. Right, um, Matt? Matt, did you have any more questions? Are we done? I I think we are out of because we're like two minutes before Gary's going to cut us off. So (laughs) that's right. So So, (laughs) did you want to plug anything else or quickly, um, you know, give out your social media? Is there anything else you want to advise our listeners quickly in our last couple of minutes? Say, please uh, check out my YouTube page. I am trying to grow it and I'm so close to a thousand subscribers. I really would like to get there. And so if you could check me out, I'm just, I saw it's YouTube dot com slash gardening girl all one word and that's my that's my direct youtube so please do that and then uh also if you're looking to start your seeds and if anyone has any questions on when to start their seeds uh what day for their specific final frost date please check out my shop on juliedemacos.com slash shop and you'll find my starting calculator and my outdoor planting calculator they're five dollars each but they come in an excel form and they're forever and they're regularly updated you'll get notifications when that happens and my list is so extensive i try to cover everything possible and it just it's a really easy tool it's not it's not pricey but it's going to help you to plan out your garden and you can print it and you can do whatever you want with it and keep it with you all that yeah Excellent. And we'll put a link to all of that in our show notes as well. So make sure we link to all your social media as well as your uh, talk a little bit about your calculators too. And let everybody know that you can subscribe to Down the Garden Path podcast. Thank you for listening to us live. But if you missed it or want to hear it again, uh, check out Down the Garden Path podcast on your favorite podcast app. You can always reach us at uh, Down the Garden Path podcast at hotmail.com, right? It's our email. As right. well as uh, you can find me and all my links and design questions and all of that stuff at Joanne uh, or down to earth.ca. So down number two earth.ca and you'll find all my connections there. And if you want to ho- get a hold of Matt, you can find me at naturalaffinity.ca with all my social media and everything there as well. Yeah, so we want to so thank, thank you very much. Us. Go ahead. You got it. Oh, yep. Uh, John, Shane, Ken, Sue, Bob, Amon, Beth, uh, Bretta, Mike, Denise, Daredevil, Gail, George, Jake, Joanne, Ray, Irene, and Karen. Thank you all so much for uh, writing in your questions for Julia this evening. And as always, thank you to all of our wonderful listeners across North America for tuning in this evening, this Monday night, joining us live here down the garden path on Reality Radio 101. Thank you for listening to Down the Garden Path with your hosts, Joanne Shaw and Matthew Dressing, right here on Reality Radio 101.9.